Jai Radha
Madayanam namas kricha dalam chevanu rotamam devim saraswatim vyasam stojayamudiraya Om namo bhagavate vasudevaya Om namo bhagavate vasudevaya Atrapyuda Harantimam Atrapyuda Harantimam Itihasam Puratanam Itihasam Puratanam Yamasha Preta Bandunam Yamasha Preta Bandunam Sampadam Tamani Bodhata Sampadam Tamani Bodhata Atrapyuda Harantinam Atrapyuda Yamasha-preta bandhunam Yamasha-preta bandhunam Sampadam tam nirodhata Sampadam tam nirodhata Atrapyuda harantimam Atrapyuda harantimam Itihasam puratamam Itihasam puratamam Yamasha-preta bandhunam Yamasha-preta bandhunam Sampadam tam Swami Shri Prabhupada. 
In this regard, an example is given from an old history. This involves a discourse between Yamaraj and the friends of the dead person. Please hear it attentively. <coughs> Translation responsibly. In this regard, in this regard, an example is given. An example is given from an old history. From an old history. This involves a discourse. This involves a discourse between Yamaraj. Between Yamaraj the friends of a dead person. The the friends of dead person. Please hear it attentively. Please hear it attentively. The words itihasam, puratanam, mean an old history. The Puranas are not chronologically recorded, but the incidents mentioned in the Puranas are actual histories of bygone ages. Srimad Bhagavatam is the Mahapurana, the essence of all the Puranas. The Mayavadi scholars do not accept the Puranas, but Srila and all other authorities accept them as the authoritative histories of the world. Shri Chaitanya Manobhishtam Stapitanyena Bhutale Swayam Rupa Gedamayam Dadati Swapadantikam Vancha Kalpata Rubyascha Kripa Sindhubi Evacha Pititanam Avanepyo Vaishnavepyo Namo Namaha Jai Shri Krishna Chaitanya Prabhu Nichananda Shri Atvayi Shri Vasati Gaura Bhakta Vrinda Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare. So in the verse it mentions the Itihasas and the Puranas. So there are two divisions of Vedic literature. There's the Shruti and the Smriti. Uh, so what is the Shruti? Which part of the Vedas is the Shruti? That's what it means. Yeah, Shruta refers to hearing. Uh, but what, which part of the Vedas is the Shruti? It's all Yeah, Upanishads. It's Yurudin Sama, but then the Mahabharata and the Puranas are all Smriti. Yeah, yeah, Smriti. What's the difference between the two? What's the difference between Shruti and Smriti? Why is one? The Rishi is cognized the Shruti through cognizing the sound and vibrations of God. Yeah, well, it means the Shruti literally means that which is directly emanated from the Lord Himself. Mm. So it is direct. Through Akash. Yeah, so it's directly coming. Uh, from Krishna himself. So therefore, that is called Shruti. And one of the main differences between the two literatures is that one is philosophical by nature. The other one is historical by nature. Uh, so you look at the Shruti, so we call the Bhagavad Gita a Shruti. Right? The uh, Upanishads are Shruti. Right? The four Vedas are Shruti. Uh, which means they're philosophical. It means there's not, not so much storyline or history within them. No, but it's more the philosophy of the Vedas. And then you have the Smriti. So the Smriti, uh, Smarana, literally means remembrance. So Smriti means the parts of the Vedas which have been passed on through memory. In other words, we saw events in the past and then we repeat the events. Oh, this took place, this took place. This is Smriti and Itihasa. It means the histories of the universe, passed down by the various sages within the universe. Uh, previously, uh, these sages were called Shruti Dal. Bhakti Siddhartha Saraswati Thakur, Prabhupada's guru, was also Shruti Dal. Shruti Dal means you hear something once, you remember it. Uh, and what, what are we in Kali Yuga? Forgetful. Yeah, forgetful. Bhagavatam specifically says in the first canto, one of the qualities of Kali Yuga is that we forget. So I can tell you something, 
just like we have a good class this morning, then after breakfast someone says, oh, what did they say in class? And you say, oh. And then they say, okay, who gave class? And you say, oh. <laughs> <laughs> this is Kali Yuga. Uh, Kali Yuga Ki? Jai. <laughs> or, I tell you something, right? And then you come back five minutes later and say, what, what did you say? I say, go and do that. And then you come back, oh, what did you say? People in Kali Yuga, the memory is not very good. People don't pay attention very well. And the attention span is becoming shorter and shorter. And retention is becoming more and more difficult for people to actually remember and retain things. Uh, so therefore, uh, Jiva Goswami says, in Kali Yuga, the Puranas, or the histories, like the Mahabharata, the Ramayana, the Bhagavatam, the, all the different Puranas, they are more important in Kali Yuga. Why? Because it's easy to remember. Right? Because in the Bhagavatam there are stories. Right? It's a history. So you, you remember the story. And inside the story of the Mahabharata or the Bhagavatam or the different Puranas, then you remember the philosophical points which are given uh, within the actual storyline. So then it's easy. You tell the story, and as you tell the story, right, then you say, oh, and then this happened, and this happened, and we should learn this from this particular thing. So in Kali Yuga, it's more important. Uh, the Smriti. Uh, so therefore, uh, as devotees, we concentrate on the most important of the Smriti literatures. And which one is the most important? It is the Bhagavatam. Why is the Bhagavatam most important? It's the essence of it. It's the essence. In other words, it's the summary of everything. Uh, there are 18 major Puranas, 18 minor Puranas. The Bhagavad Purana is one of the 18. So one of them was the Shuna Bhagavatam. So when Vyasadeva wrote everything the first time, he already wrote the Bhagavatam. Right? It was already written once. So he compiled everything, the Bhagavatam was already included. But then you read in the chapter 4, chapter 5, and chapter 6 of the first canto, you hear the history of it being written. So Narada comes to Vyas, and the face is the index of the mind. Right? So as soon as you look at someone's face, you can see uh, what sort of consciousness they have. Uh, are they uh, peaceful? Or are they disturbed? Right. Are they happy? Are they sad? All these things you can ascertain just by looking at the face. Right. The face is the index of the mind. So when Vyas was seen by Narada, his guru, then Narada said, you look despondent. You just did so much great work. You just wrote down all the Vedic literatures for the benefit of all the people in the Kali Yuga. Right. But still you don't look satisfied. What's wrong? He said, could it be that you did not exclusively write a scripture which speaks about pure devotional service, or amalabhati, pure devotion, and does not exclusively focus on the service of the Supreme Personality of Godhead, Swayam Bhagavan, Lord Krishna. So then, Vyas, he went into a uh, trance. Right? He meditated. You read this in the beginning of the seventh chapter of the first canto. <coughs> and after he meditated very deeply, after that meditation, then he wrote the Srimad Bhagavatam for the people in the Kali Yuga. And it's very interesting because if you read the beginning of the seventh chapter, uh, what is the seventh chapter of the first canto? Oh, the son of the son of yeah, the son of Drona, punished. Yeah, what's his name? Ashwatthama. Yeah, but the very beginning of the chapter uh, carries over from the, the previous three chapters. And then it gives like a, uh, a description of the trance that Vyasadeva went into before he wrote the Shivan Bhagavatam. And then he had a darshan of Kali Yuga. He looked into Kali Yuga to see what was coming. Uh, imagine if you could see what was coming in 50 years from now. 
Right? You can look at Kali Yuga and you can see what was coming. Imagine. Right? So he looked right into Kali Yuga, deep into Kali Yuga, and he saw it. And then he wrote down what he saw. Right? And what was the one thing that he wrote? Because he could have written many things. I mean, imagine the list that you could write about what you saw. But one thing he saw, what did he write? What's the overwhelming quality of Kali Yuga, the people in the Kali Yuga? What was this stuff? Yeah, that's mentioned in the, uh, in the first canto. The hypocrites. That's also mentioned. <laughs> <laughs> What's that? Also mentioned. <laughs> also mentioned. So many things are mentioned. But the one thing he says, he says that their overriding quality is ashraddha. They don't have faith. Ashrata. Everyone has lost faith. Uh, people don't have faith. Who do you trust now? Uh, do you trust the government? Uh, to some degree, we trust. You know, if you say you don't trust them completely, that's ridiculous. <laughs> because they're not bad people. See, people. see, there's a problem with the conspiracy theorists. <laughs> no, I'll tell, I'll tell you, because it's not logical. All the bad people in society get into government. That's not even logical. Even mathematically, it's not possible. How do all the bad people just get into government? You know, Dan Andrews was just this demoniac person who just like grew and grew, and then now he controls everyone. No, he's not like that. He's not like that. <laughs> it's not even a logical way of looking at the world. I'll take questions at the end. There's not even, there's no logic to it. Right. Oh, they're all just, they're just people say this all the time, they're just demons. Okay, yeah, all the demons just got into government. Right. And the rest of us are just all good. And it doesn't even make sense. So do we trust the government? Of course we trust the government. But not completely. We can't completely trust them. Right. Do we trust religious leaders? We should. But unfortunately, every time you turn on the radio, Right, you just hear about what some religious leader did wrong. Right? You know, the, the Catholic Church is always on the news. Oh, there's you know, so many um, sexual abuse cases against children. You know, they're supposed to be, and actually it's interesting because Prabhupada's guru, uh, Srila Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur, he wrote over a hundred years ago when he was speaking about the Christian missionaries who came to India. He wrote, they are uh, wolves in the guise of sheep. This is a hundred years ago he wrote that. Mm. Right? He said they are wolves in the guise of sheep. He, he knew back then what they were doing. Right? It doesn't mean they all did it or they all do it. It doesn't mean they're all demons. But then now we don't know. We, so we lose faith. Oh, can I trust him? Can I not trust him? These are things in Kali Yuga you don't know. Right? Just like light bulbs. Can you trust light bulbs? <laughs> to a certain extent. To a certain extent. Yeah, you know when you plug them in, they're going to last. But only to a certain. But did, did you notice they're lasting less and less time now? They can actually make them so they last a very, very long time. Long, long time. They can make them like that. But they purposely don't make them like that, so you have to buy them. Just like you know your phones. Yeah. Right. You have to upgrade it all the time, right? Because then, you know, they, they, they make it so then the older models become, and then they change the uh, adapters. <laughs> so now you've got to get a new phone. Right? So everything is rigged. Your car, right? Cars can be built, they last very well, but they build them so everything breaks and falls apart now, etc. So who do you trust? <coughs> this is the nature. So this is, what is the one thing that Vyasadev saw in Kali Yuga? People do not trust, they lose faith. And that's why it is so difficult for people to surrender to Krishna. Because like if you go on Google and you type in Hare Krishna, right, five of the top ten things, first hits that you get in Google that come up, are going to be negative. 50% of what you hear. So if you're just you know, doing some research, oh, you know, oh, I saw the Hare Krishnas go down the street, they look like very happy people. I type in Hare Krishna and then, you know, it's a 
negative, 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 positive, positive, positive. It's all mixed up. So difficult in Kali Yuga. Uh, people like faith. Uh, so, Vyasadeva, he saw the people in Kali Yuga. And he saw they didn't have faith. So then he wrote the Bhagavatam again. Uh, but when he wrote it the second time, uh, then he wrote it, it, it was an Amala Purana. Srimad Bhagavatam, Puranam, Amalam, Yad Vaishnavanam, Priyam. Right? It is Amala, it is pure. So we have to understand, when you study Bhagavatam, you have to understand it is pure. Even sometimes it may be confusing. You think, oh, and when you read the Bhagavatam, you have to read it in context. Right? Because every scripture, it has a context or a, a purpose or a theme or a subject matter. What is the subject of the Bhagavatam? What is the governing verse? What's that? What's the governing verse of the Srimad Bhagavatam? We call it Paribhasa Sutra. Ete Chamsa. Kalapumsa. Krishna's two Bhagavan Swayam. Every Shastra, it has a Paribhasa Sutra. The Paribhasa Sutra means the verse which governs the Shastra. So when you're reading Bhagavatam, sometimes if you can't understand the context, what is this discussing? You go back to the original verse. There are many incarnations of God, but one is original. That is Krishna, Rajendra Nandana. He is original. So when you're reading the whole Bhagavatam, you have to understand like, what are we reading now? What's this chapter called? King of the demons. Who is the biggest demon ever in the history of this universe? History, if you go millions of years, who's the biggest demon ever? Karanikashipu, he's number one. Right? All the other guys are small time. Even Ravana. Ravana is the reincarnation of Karanikashipu. But when he came back in Trento Yuga, Karanikashipu right? was such a good, he was earlier. When he came back, right? Narada said, you were much more powerful last time. He said, how could I be more powerful? Look at me. Ravana. So powerful. He said, how could I be more powerful? He said, no, no, you were much more powerful last time. What do you, what do you know? Come with me. So they went. And there was a small hill made of gold. He said, see the hill? He said, yes. He said, that was your earring last time around. <laughs> that hill, you were wearing that. <laughs> That's how powerful you were. And they thought, oh, this is Haranya Kashipu. He is the most powerful. No one was ever more powerful than Haranya Kashipu. So Haranya Kashipu, now we're hearing about him. Why are we hearing about Haranya Kashipu? Right? What does his name mean? Haranya. Gold. Right? What do uh, materialistic people like? They like gold. Right? You see, like uh, the rappers, right? You know, they all wear gold, <laughs> like big, chunky, like this. You know, big, huge thing of gold. Why? Uh, look at me. I have gold. I am rich. I am powerful. Even some of them, they, <laughs> yeah, they cap the teeth with gold. You see that one? Yes. Yeah, when they smile, it's all gold. I know, you, probably, you probably know the names of the people. I don't know their names, but my daughter showed me, like, you know, they smile, it's all gold. Because like no, materialists love gold. Huh? Kashiku means soft beds. Kashiku, soft beds. So what's the ultimate uh, satisfaction for a materialistic person? To have a soft bed where I can enjoy a sex life made of gold. So that's what Hirani Kashipu had. So that's why he's called Hirani Kashipu. Everyone knew he has beds made of gold. Right? He's just a complete materialist, right? Attached to women and money, that's all. Same as today. What, what do they all do today? Right? It's all the same. Right? They're just doing it in a very small way. 
He had control of the universe. You know, Ravana and her indicate they were so powerful. They controlled the universe. And what do demoniac people do when they control things? They like to create chaos. They like to create problems. So what, what did he do? All the people who performed punya, who did good things, they went to Patama. They went down to get punished. And all the people who did not good things, Pap, they all went to Swaga, to heaven. Right? They put the universe upside down. So you spend your whole life doing good things, you die and then you have to go to a hellish place. Imagine. It's so demoniac. So now we're hearing about Hiranyakashipu. So someone might think, why am I hearing about this? What's this got to do with spiritual life? You know, I'm reading about a man who likes soft golden beds. Why am I hearing about this guy? Because when you teach something, you have to show the negative because that will enhance the positive. Right? We give examples when we teach. Who's the best teacher? Krishna. What does he do in the Bhagavad Gita? Right? He tells you, don't be like this. So now you can understand what you should be like. Right? In the 16th chapter of Bhagavad Gita, what's 16th chapter called? Divine and demoniac nature. Sura Asura. So what does Krishna speak in 16th chapter? He says, this is Asura qualities. Don't be like that. Now I'll tell you the qualities you should have. Right? Sura. Right? So then he shows you all the good qualities. Now you understand the good qualities better when you understand what you should not do. So you have to understand both. Right? So that's why the Bhagavatam does this. Why do we have all this uh, description of the what you should not be like? So then you know. Don't be like a Hiranyakashipu. Even Hiranyakashipu, he is our guru. Because he gives some very good instructions. Right? We don't follow his example, his life. But we follow his some of his instructions, not all of them. Some of them were not good. But uh, He said to Prahlad, his son, he says, very careful, be very careful of who you associate with. Right? Be very careful who you associate with. Right? Because he says that association is like a prism. Uh, you see the crystals on the chandelier? So if I'm looking from this angle, no, I might see certain colors. You look from another angle, you see certain colors. When you put something next to the crystal, if I put something green next to the crystal, what does the crystal do? It becomes greenish, right? And if I put something red, it becomes reddish. So, Hiranyakashipu says, be very careful who you associate with. Because you are just like a crystal. If you associate with satus, you'll become a satu. But if you associate with Kripanas, right, miserly materialistic people, you will become Kripana. <laughs> so you have to be very careful. Because whoever you associate with it, that's who you will become like. Right? If you associate with devotees, you'll become devotee. If you associate with non devotees, you become non devotee. It's up to you. You can't blame anyone else. People, people, this is something people always do in Kali Yuga. They blame everyone else for everything. Oh, the government did it. I can't be a devotee because the government is demoniac. <laughs> <laughs> that makes you more of a devotee, actually. It makes you more serious to become a Krishna conscious. You see people are crazy out there, then you become more serious. I read a nice quote from Prabhupada the other day. Uh, have I got it? I don't know if I've kept the quote or not. The very nice quote. Prabhupada says, words to the effect that, don't worry about what's going on in the world. Uh, because he says it will come and go anyway. Right? It's stronger than us. Karma is stronger than us. The agri you know, We can fight it to a degree, but it's going to roll on anyway. Whatever's going to happen is going to happen. Right, it's all going to fall apart. Right? We can only do so much about it. Uh, because the Ugra Karma is there. Right? So Prabhupada says, you just focus on being a devotee, being Krishna conscious. 
Because right. if you get caught up in all these uh, temporary things, uh, just like I know some devotees, uh, they're very uh, they're meditating on becoming sovereign citizens. You know this principle, sovereign citizen, where you become yeah, you start your own sovereign state. So your block of land, you say, this is the land of Keshava. Let's say I own a block of land. Right? And I, I say, okay, this block of land is the land of Keshava. So everyone on this land has to follow the rules of Keshava. Right? So you start your own country, so to speak. Right? It's only 45 square meters big, but it's your country. <laughs> So there's many, you know, and some devotees are getting into this too. So then it means when they go outside, then they say, I am not part of this establishment. I'm not under this uh, a law. I have my own laws. Okay, you can do that. I know one devotee who did it recently and then he got thrown in jail. <laughs> so Prabhupada says, don't concentrate on those things. Don't waste your human life to fight these things. Okay, we know society is crazy. We know that. We know we want to change it. We know that. But don't fight. This is not what we fight. What we fight is trying to help people become spiritually enlightened, Krishna conscious. Right? That's our mission. And then if the world becomes more problematic, it's only, it's only advantageous to us anyway. Because Kali Yuga is going to go like that anyway. It just makes everything easier for us. That's all. It just makes it easier. Because more people come to the temple when things are crazy. People buy more books. The more the material world gets, it's easier. I was in uh, Tasmania in 1996. What happened in Tasmania in 1996? Port Arthur Massacre. Yeah, the Port Arthur Massacre. Right? It was the biggest uh, massacre uh, outside of wartime up until that date. Now it's been superseded. But he, he, you know, one guy went crazy, he was already crazy, and then he shot 37 people right, in Tasmania. Right, poured up. So I was there at the time, I wasn't in the exact place, but I was in Tasmania, I was distributing books, I was a brahmacharya. So as soon as that happened, right, book distribution was easy. Everyone was buying books. Everyone. Because everyone was so shaken, oh my god. You know. I sold a book to the lady who was in the cafe when he was killing all the people. She was working in the cafe. She was hiding behind the counter. And he was just shooting everyone. So, you know, when I said, you know, excuse me, are you from Hobart or out of town? So from Hobart. I said, you know, would you like one of these books on the spiritual? Yes. She was still shaking. She said, what is this book? I said, oh, it tells you about yoga, meditation, karma, reading, you yeah, know, Everyone was buying books. I sold a book to the doctor who was in the hospital and all the bodies came into the hospital. He had to do the autopsy and see where all the bullets went. Yeah, right, all the bullets. He was, you know, he brought the books. Yeah, everyone was buying books. So the more the society collapses and becomes problematic, it just makes Krishna consciousness, means we sell more Krishna consciousness. People come more to us because they need solutions. So that's the nature of Kali Yuga. Right? That's a, so why did uh, Vyasadeva write the Bhagavatam for the people in Kali Yuga? Because he was writing something, so they don't have Shraddha, they don't have faith. Right? They need to learn the essence very quickly. So I'll write a book which just gives them the essence. That is the Srimad Bhagavatam. Hands up if you've read the whole Bhagavatam. Whole Bhagavatam. One person, two people, three people, four, five. You read the whole thing? Did you? They have the translation. Translation? Yeah. Whole thing? Yeah. Very good. Without the report. Yeah, very good. I mean, they're how old? Eight years old. Read the whole Bhagavatam. Now that's amazing. So, Bhagavatam is given for the people in the Kali Yuga. Right? It is the Mahapurana. Right? It is the essence of all the Vedas. <coughs> and then people even find that too difficult to read. Or 18,000 verses. Huh? Here. Take this book home with you. 
and then you give them eight, eight more, eight, eight more books. Take it on, <laughs> now read this. This serious thing. It's a serious thing. In uh, the 70s in America, we were taken to court. ISCON was taken to court because they were trying to say ISCON is a cult. It is brainwashing people. So we were taken to court, to the Supreme Court in America. And a big court case. And every day they were sending reports to Prabhupada. And our lawyers had to go and fight uh, to explain that Iskand is not a cult. It's actually the oldest religion in the world. It's not a cult. It's not like Prabhupada can just make it up. Historical. So Prabhupada said, take the books in the courts. Every day the devotees take the books, big pile of books, Bhagavatam. Put it on the, the desk. <laughs> <laughs> Prabhupada said, Prabhupada said. And he said to the Prabhupada said to the lawyers, you tell their lawyers, you tell the judge, read all the books first, read it all, and then make your decision. Are we a cult or not? And we won the court case. If we hadn't lost that court case, I think we won it 5-4 or something in the Supreme Court in America. If we hadn't lost that court case, we would have been shut down all through America. Right? The big fight. Prabhupada won these things. Right? A lot of tension in the past. You know, we just sit here, you know, eating avocados for breakfast. <laughs> yeah, really. I mean, look at our lives. Not, not very challenging. Yeah, you can just come to the temple and eat avocado for breakfast. They give you free avocados every morning. Right? Prabhupada had to fight to make this. If you go back historically through our acharyas, what they had to go through to preserve this legacy, to preserve the purity of the teachings, you know, we, we have so much indebtedness to these personalities before us. So the Bhagavatam was given for the people in Kali Yuga, 18,000 verses. And even devotees find that, that's a lot. So, okay, if you find that a lot, we'll give you Bhagavad Gita. Uh, 700 verses. Hands up if you read the whole Bhagavad Gita. That's it, more people. More people. When we say Bhagavatam, not so many people. But Gita, okay, 700, easier. But even that's challenging for Kali Yuga people. <laughs> Kali Yuga people just want something, you know, just give me smaller, smaller. Okay, Lord Chaitanya gave me Shikshastaka, eight verses. Right, just read that. Hands up if you've read Shikshastaka. Okay, cool. <laughs> eight verses, at least we can do that. Or Rupa Goswami gave Upadesh Amrita, 11 verses. So you at least read that. And then Arjuna says to Krishna uh, near the end, because we have Bhagavad Gita, but actually there's more in between. That's the conversation we're given, the, the 700 verses. There's actually more in between. That wasn't all that was said. You know, in uh, one devotee, Poinachandra uh, Maharaj, he wrote the, he spoke the, uh, what was it called, the Gita, not the Gita Mahatmya, but the Gita something. But it has, it has more commentary in between the verses, which kind of makes things tie in. So when Krishna gets to the end of the Bhagavad Gita, he speaks the whole thing, and then Arjuna says to him, Krishna, you spoke so much, can now you condense it? So Krishna says, Mammanao, Mammanao, Majaji, Mandamaskaru. So he gives you four things to do. Right? Think of me, become my devotee, worship me, and offer your homage to me. So then after that, uh, then Arjuna says to Krishna, Krishna, can you just give me one thing to remember? And Krishna says, Savdaman Purjaja. Mamekam. Mamekam. Eka means one thing. Just surrender to me, Arjuna. So if you surrender to Krishna, you understood the whole Bhagavad Gita. You understood the whole Bhagavatam. You understood the Shikshastika. You understood the Upadesha Rita. You understood everything there is to know about everything. But can you do it? The other day I saw one quote from Prabhupada. Prabhupada said, just give one life for Krishna. 
one life. Can you do that? Uh, one life for Krishna. Give everything to Krishna just once. Can you do that? If you do, Prabhupada says, you will go back to God in this life. So that's all we have to remember. That's what the whole Bhagavatam is about. So this chapter is speaking about Hiranyakashipu, uh, the king of the demons. But we have to understand it in context. Not that we should follow Hiranyakashipu, uh, but we should understand what we should not do from his example. So we'll stop here. Any questions or comments? What we discussed. Uh, I've got one uh, a comment on the question. So the, the first comment, what you were saying about the conspiracy theories. Yeah. Um, it's right. If, if they were all demons, if the government were all demons, then we'd be totally screwed. Really? Completely screwed. You know? Are you sure? But it's not, yeah, but it's only, it's only the good guys in the government that are actually keeping us good, good. No. Thank God they're there. Yeah, <laughs> I know, I know. And the next question is, what does surrendering to Krishna look like? What does it look like? Yeah. It looks like coming to Mongolati. <laughs> Good. Good place to start. <laughs> then at least you're halfway there. <laughs> Halfway. But there's a lot more to it after that, obviously. Stay awake in Japan. Oh, Stay awake in Japan. Right? That's also important. You got any tips? To stay awake? Yeah. <laughs> what do you fall asleep? I don't fall asleep, like, but I find myself, like, drifting off. Yeah, a lot. I yeah, have to get up and walk around sometimes. Yeah. Just walk. Yeah. yeah, if you fall asleep when you're walking, then you really need to take rest. Yeah, yeah. Like, you really need to go and rest. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, just walk. If you're falling asleep while you're sitting, then you walk. That's all. But walk in a meditative way. Japa is meditation. Right? People have to understand this. Japa is meditative. People say to us sometimes, you know, Buddhist people, and they say, do you meditate? Yeah, we do. It's called Japa. But it's a meditation. So if you see a Buddhist monk meditating, what's he doing? Sitting on doing <laughs> like it's deep, right? You ever see a Buddha smoking? No, like he's like, like <laughs> or, or he's like, you know, he's meditating and he says, like, what do you think is for breakfast? <laughs> but when you see devotees do the japa, they do all sorts of crazy stuff. <laughs> 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 Also, <laughs> <laughs> I was saying like crazy stuff. <laughs> I saw many years ago, I saw in Brindana, I saw one devotee like looking at the pillar. Like just looking at the this far away and just looking at the pillar and just going, I think you're going to go to a Buddhist ashram. Right. You walk in, there's like Buddhists out there going. <laughs> that, that's not normal. Right. So it's a meditation. Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Okay, falling asleep, then walk. But the, med- the walking should be meditation also. I remember years ago, I was in Sydney, and uh, you know, they put Tulsi in the middle. And then, you know, some people walk around Tulsi, which is good, you know, if you need to. That's meditation. You know, you walk around Hare Krishna, you meditate. The holy name is always the center, not, not all the other things. But this devotee, you know, he was young and passionate. He was like walking like fast, like it's kind of like a racetrack kind of thing. <laughs> you know, like doing these laps like, but it was distracting for the rest of us. And my, my guru was there, so he went up to him and said, hey, did it calm down? What are you doing? It's not a race. It's not like we're all trying to, like, you know, we're trying to get to Krishna like, <laughs> it doesn't work like that. So there's some tips. Thank you. Yeah.
Yes, sir. Hi, everyone. Uh, so, when we're reading about um, when we're coming across uh, all these stories, the stories we're reading, they're quite relishable and leaves a really good impression for us, but then sometimes we get to all of these deep and technical kind of parts of the Bible term, I guess a lot of like philosophy dense parts. How do we absorb that, you know, when we're actually reading it and not, I guess, be distracted or just trying to get through it? How do we absorb the Bible term the best way? Yeah, that's that's not easy. Uh, I taught the Bible term in, uh, in a course you know, Bhakti Vai Bhav course and the Bhakti Vedanta course. So we taught the whole Bhagavatam. Took us uh, 16 years or something to do the whole thing. We, you know, did it very carefully and systematically. But I noticed that when we got to the third canto, <laughs> the third canto is highly philosophical, particularly the, the later part. Now, creation is described three times in the third canto, quite elaborately. So it's a very philosophical portion of the Bhagavatam. And I, I noticed the devotees, particularly the Mataji's, particularly the ladies, they really struggled with that. And a couple of the ladies said, come on, let's hurry up. They said that to me. They said, come on, let's hurry up, let's get you <laughs> I said, well, we can't hurry up because it's the Bhagavatam. You have to, <laughs> you have to relish it. Is it better than it is more difficult? That's why you know, there's so many stories in there. Because people need it, it's just easier. You know, like when it's all philosophy, some you know, sometimes we have a class and it's very philosophical. You know, devotees are like, you know, in the class they go. You ever give in a class and devotees go like <laughs> So whose fault, whose fault is that if the devotees are doing that? Whose fault is that? That's good. Yeah, it, it's actually, it is their fault. <laughs> it is, it is. But it's, it's more the speaker's fault. You have to speak in such a way, you have to keep your audience awake. That's your responsibility. Right, so you have to speak. Like, you know, when I'm looking all the time, I'm looking at everyone all the time. Right, and if I see someone starting to fall asleep, I say, Prabhu, wake up. Stand up or you know, go and take rest, or it's okay. You want to rest, that's okay. But don't rest in front of the deities. Right? Don't rest in the Bhagavatam. <coughs> that's not the place for rest. Actually, Nidra Devi, you know Nidra Devi? Uh, Nidra Devi means the goddess of sleep. One time she came to Krishna and he said, Krishna, I can't touch your devotees, they don't sleep. <laughs> yeah, like Prabhupada. You know, Prabhupada didn't sleep. You know, Prabhupada would just rest for a couple of hours and then he would come back. Devotees said that uh, you know, sometimes they'd be on a train with Prabhupada. Shama Sunda Prabhu said he was on the train with Prabhupada. And then they were on the train and Prabhupada was laying there and they were traveling. And then Prabhupada drifted off. You know, it's like resting. There's no time they drifted off. And then a little bit later, 15 minutes or half an hour or something, or an hour later, or whatever it was, Prabhupada came back to consciousness and he continued the conversation from where he left off. Wow. Yeah, he just kind of drifted off for like half an hour or something. When he came back, he was straight back into the same conversation. <laughs> like, you know, I, I, I don't do that. You know, if I, you know, if I, work, if I crash out heavily, you know, sometimes you wake up and think, okay, which country am I in? <laughs> <laughs> It's like when you go to India, yeah. So you wake up in the mornings. Sometimes you're like, "Oh, am I in Australia? No, no, no. Singapore, no. <laughs> India, okay, yeah. And you're, you know, sometimes it takes. Yeah, we're not, we're not like that. So Nidra Devi said to Krishna, he said, "I can't touch all the bodies. They don't sleep." But he said, "You have to give me a benediction. I have to be able to get them somewhere." <laughs> and Krishna said, "In the Bhagavatam." He said, he, said, he said, that's when you can get <laughs> So sometimes, you know, if you want to put the bodies to sleep, you say, Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya. And everyone goes, It happens. Sometimes. So you go to some temples. In the, like I said, I won't let it happen. 
Like if I'm giving class, I say, can I just say, put the wake up? If you say it right in front of everyone, it really wakes them up. Yeah, then they're like, ooh, you know, what's going So, but I've been to some, you know, classes in the world, and so they're like, half the devotees are asleep. Yeah, I wouldn't let that happen. That's just like, I'd say, everybody wake up. You know, chant the holy names of Krishna. <laughs> yeah, but that's the, the point is, right? so Nidra Devi means the goddess of sleep. What was your question? Sometimes we're already the philosophical thoughts of our Yeah, so it means when we're giving a class on the philosophical part, then we have to speak in such a way that we keep everyone's attention. So you, you have to be interesting, but also your delivery has to be lively. Right? Because, you know, if you just say, like, you know, uh, Krishna is the supreme personality of Godhead, and <laughs> you know, we should all surrender to him. Prasada is really good. <laughs> Melbourne Temple Prasada is really good. It's not very interesting. So you have to speak in such a way you're engaging the audience. Oh, I mean, my point reading, reading those parts. Yeah, so when you're reading it, so that's challenging. Yeah, it's challenging. Some devotees will get right into it because they're philosophical by nature, and other devotees will struggle. So if you, you know, if you find that, that's okay, because we're all different. So it just means, you know, you have to read it. You can't just, you know, miscant those because, sorry, you know, it's true. Go through. It's true. And it is challenging. Do the austerity, do the tapasya. And then, and then you get purified. Just like yesterday, I was... I was in the evenings, we're speaking on the Chaitanya Charitamrita. So yesterday, I was preparing a class. It's chapter 11 of the Adi Lila, the associates of Lord Nityananda. So Abhiram does talk on different personalities. So I was studying about that. It's very purifying. Uh, but there was a part of me, you know, maybe I was a little tired. So while I was preparing, I was like, oh, you know, I've got to find, you know, I've got different books. So I had to find that particular personality. So, yeah, sometimes it's five minutes just to find them in the books. And then, you know, then I get there and then I have to read all about them and I have to make the notes and the right. So sometimes your mind challenges you. Ah, you know, just do it quickly. No, but then when you do it and you do the austerity, you get purified. And I say, wow, so I'm learning so many new things about these personalities. So, yeah, sometimes it is, it is a little challenging. Okay, that's okay. We're all different, that's all. TK? Any other questions? Yes, Mataji. Hare Krishna, you said that if you associate with demons, then you become demons. And if you associate with devotees, you become devotees. And also we hear that a minute association with pure devotees can purify us. So, then we see in Hirani Kashyapa's case, he was in Pralan all day and night. But still, who was Pralamaraja was a really pure devotee, but still he did not change. He kept the same demonic mentality. So how come he didn't change? He didn't change because he was a pure devotee. That's why he didn't change. Because remember with Haridas Thakur? Do you remember the past time? I was mentioning why didn't Hiranyakashipu change? Oh, why didn't Hiranyakashipu change? Yeah. Uh, in English, we have a saying, you can lead a horse to the water, but you can't make him drink. Do you know that saying? Do you understand what it means? Yeah, you can bring, have you ever brought a horse to the water? Yeah, well, one day if you ever do, you bring a horse, <laughs> and, you know, and you bring it to the water and you say, drink. There's not much you can do to make, what, what do you do? You grab his head, you put it in the water, and even then he might not drink. You know, it's very difficult. So Krishna also explains in Bhagavad Gita, the mind is very strong. Arjuna says, Krishna, it's hard to control my mind. It's like the wind. You know? Sometimes your mind like that. Like the wind, like very hard to control. Yeah, so it's hard. So Haranikashiku is a big demon. You know, he owns so many things. When you own many things and you're very rich, it's very hard to renounce it. Uh, so he became so powerful, it was hard for him. So even with Prahlad, he, he was... Demonic people are like that. Every soul has independence. You can't force anyone to do anything. Like, I can't force your sister to just sit there and just do nothing. 
<laughs> it's very difficult. I can try to do it. I can do it right now. I can say, hey, sit down like that. And she will do it. But only for probably a couple of minutes. Right? And then she'll start like looking, you know, where's my brother? But this, this is the way it is. So it's, it's hard to control. So Hiranyi Kashipu, he was just doing what he wanted. Right? And then, uh, even with Prahlad's association, it's very different. He didn't just get Prahlad's association. Now he already came to visit him. You know, he got a lot of association with saintly people, but he wouldn't visit them. Is that okay? Thank you. Okay. Um, Uh, you mentioned that as the difficulty increases, that for people will surrender naturally. Is the mic very long? Oh, you mentioned that as the difficulty increases, people surrender easily. But what we have seen is since COVID, um, if you see, there are people who have gone through real turbulence time and still. They, they, their attitude towards that has changed and they, they want to enjoy more right? and they, their thinking has changed. They say, no, no, forget it. Anyway, these problems will keep coming. We will enjoy it. And they will go. They, they don't try to tend to surrender to, um, or they're, they're not keen in taking up spirituality or coming this way. How do we, so what is the question? So how do we, how do we uh, address these kind of people? You just get a really big stick. <laughs> <laughs> because the, the nature of the material world, the material world is attachment and detachment. Right? Raga and dvesha. Right? Raga means attachment, dvesha means detachment. So the nature of this world is everyone is attached, so then when something bad happens, everyone becomes detached. Right? And then what happens when everything is good again? Everyone just gets attached again. That's the nature. I've seen it so many times. It happens with me, it happens with everyone. You know, when things are bad, you say, oh, you know, I'm never going to enjoy this material world again. I'm fully detached. Everything is Maya. You know, when everything's going bad, we all say that. Everything is Maya. Now, this material world is not a place for enjoyment. I'm going back to Godhead. Right? But then when everything's good, we say, oh, yeah, but maybe in 10 years from now. <laughs> So it's just the nature of the material energy is very powerful. So it just means that yeah, you can't force anyone. They'll surrender when they are ready to surrender. Huh? But it's only when people suffer that's when they get realizations. Without suffering, people don't get realizations. Okay. Yeah. What was Prabhupada's master's full name? What's that? What was Prabhupada's master's name? Uh, Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur. So, um, like the lineage of Saraswati is, some of them have become Shankaracharyas, but they're still classified as Mayavadis. Ramananda Saraswati, Chandra Sekarendra Saraswati, or Shankaracharyas. Following from Prabhupada's guru. Well, they're from the Saraswati tradition. So there might be a different Saraswati tradition. He, he's, he's asking this question because, like, uh, because they have the same title, so things make them connected. What? Because he's, he's asking this question because he thinks of some sannyasis which have Saraswati title. So he's thinking maybe because of the title they're connected to. Yeah, it doesn't make sense. It's the same thing. Yeah. That's fine. I don't mind everyone who um, But there was uh, the Southern Shankaracharya, Chandrasekhar, the Saraswati. He said that when you chant the mantra, you're like Maha Mantra, but if you move around too much, then it disturbs the vibration of the mantra through your body and through your mind and your brain. So it's better to sit still, um, or to walk meditatively, just like you said. So I've often found it quite funny when I see devotees doing the mantra in their sitting. Because it seems like it could disturb that vibration. Nothing can disturb the vibration because the vibration is pure. So it can't be disturbed. But if your movement's so impure, then it doesn't. It's up to the individual. That's up to the individual. Sure. But you also but you, can't really, but you can't you can't put a blanket instruction on everyone in color yoga because people are so different in color yoga, right? And some people are so, or, or, or probably say disturbed, 
in Kali Yuga. If you say, well, just sit completely still while you're chanting, a lot of people can't even do that. Yeah. So, what is the reason that we have to sit or walk meditatively to do the, like, the mantra then? If it doesn't matter how we move when we do the mantra? I didn't say it doesn't matter, but I'm just saying you can't apply the same instruction to everyone. It doesn't work. Any other questions? TK. Okay, please come again. Sure, Prabhupada Ki.